Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Alex Carney in our fourth week of our series called Miracles. And this week, Alex will be speaking on when Jesus walked on the water and what we can learn from that story. We hope that you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Man, it's good to be here. Uh, and thank you guys for leading us in worship every single week. Um, I know, hey, let me tell you, it's, it's hard to lead worship, okay? There, there's just a lot of pressure on that. I haven't done it a lot, but I know the, the, the weight that it carries. I did it one time. Okay, I did it one time. I led, I led with the, uh, I didn't lead with it. I played with the cajon. You guys know what the cajon is? Yeah, yeah, okay. It was, this was the most awful and uh, uh, also exciting experience I think I've ever had in my entire life. So I, I get asked to come play the cajon. It's for our middle school ministry that actually meets here in this room. And uh, let me tell you, th- this is a hard thing uh, because they were, uh, this was a new song that I was learning. Never really played the cajon a lot. So I'm like semi-good, but not really. And all of a sudden, there's like 80 middle school students that are up here on the front. Like they're like banging on the stage. So I'm playing the cajon and I keep, I keep banging the cajon to the way that they clap. Okay, let, let's just be honest. Not, let's just have the honest conversation, okay? Not everybody can clap on beat, <laughs> okay? How many of you guys are like, eh, I'm probably that person who's like, man, I, I don't know if I can clap on beat. Not everybody can clap on beat. It's okay to be that. But there was like 80 middle school students that were like banging on the stage like. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in for it. And it was like an elevation song. And I was like, what is this right now? It sounds like a 2003 Gatorade commercial. Like. Kevin Garnett's about to bust out of the locker room, go to the playoffs. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is so hard. <laughs> you don't understand the weight, the pressure that is. So thank you guys leading uh, in worship every single week. Uh, if this is your first time with us at C12, I just want to say welcome. Uh, if you got to taste a little bit, we really love to go after it in worship. We love to, as uh, one of the values that, hey, we're going to lean in. When we sense the presence of God, we're going to engage with that. We're going to lean in with that. Uh, and so we go after uh, God's presence. If you're a volunteer leader in this room, can I just get an Amen. Wow, that was weak. Wow, that was embarrassing. We're going to try that again. If you're a leader volunteer, can we get an amen? <laughs> oh, amen. I have to say it because Alex said it. One of the other things that we're, um, is a value to us is that we're really rooted in prayer. If you're new, uh, we often take time, actually every single week, is that we pray over the night. So we prayed for you. We're a ministry that's rooted in prayer because Jesus was rooted in prayer. And we're going to engage with that in the teaching. You'll see how Jesus was rooted in prayer. One of the other things that we love to have fun. We just love to have fun as a ministry. And, and so we love to have fun. Last week, we got to have a little pizza party afterwards. Uh, you can't not talk about, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then not have food afterwards. That's almost like a tease. You're like, dude, come on. You should have provided something. So we do things like that. We got a fall party coming up in October. Can I get an amen for that? It's going to be awesome. Uh, we are not going to do uh, uh, me dressing up as Post Malone and baptizing people. I will tell you. It was the best and, uh, <laughs> come on, it's weird, okay? I mean, it's like people are coming up out of the tub, and it's like, I was a vampire, now I'm normal. I'm like, yeah, because your teeth fell out, you know? And now I got people jumping in the tub, and I'm like, well, if you, okay, just jump into this gunk sauce, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and it's just weird, okay? It's Post Malone. But we love to have fun. We love to jump into it. And so uh, we also engage in the teaching. So if something stands out to you, something's like, oh, man, that resonates with me, you have all permission to say amen. You can clap. You can do whatever you want. So we can engage with this. I think the greater your engagement, the bigger your takeaways are going to be. Because you're going to engage with God's word. So we're going to jump into what God has for you. So if tonight is your first night or you haven't been here uh, during our series, we're uh, in a series on the miracles of Jesus, where we're going over the miracles that Jesus uh, has done, obviously, being the miracles of Jesus. Um, Last week, we went over Jesus feeding the 5,000, and tonight we're going Jesus walking on water. 
So if you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and pull it out. Maybe you got a personal Bible with you. You can turn to Matthew chapter 14. Maybe you got a phone with you. Uh, you can go ahead and pull it out on there. We all got technology. We know how to work that. Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you got a Bible. You can use the one under your seat. Uh, and here's the reason why. Okay, I, I want you to engage with God's word. You didn't come here to hear my best thought. You came to engage with like, what does God have for you? Like, what, what, what does God want to speak to you? And I think in a world where being a follower of Jesus is going to get more complex, we're not going to be a ministry that's biblically confused. Like, we're going to know God's word. We're going to engage with God's word. We're going to read God's word. So uh, we're, we're going to jump into that tonight because God's word still has power. It still has truth for you. And it still has that today. So we're going to jump into that tonight. So Matthew chapter 14, if you got it, you can pull it up. If not, it'll also be on the screen. So verse 22, it says this. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Just a casual Tuesday morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Then come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? How encouraging. <laughs> I'm like sinking. Bro, you don't believe me? I'm like, okay, save me. Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for this teaching. God, I pray, uh, God, that as your word goes forth, God, may people not hear a single word that would come from my best thought. And God, would they not remember that, but God, would they remember everything that you have to say to them. And so, God, we pray that you'd move in and through tonight. And we pray this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. So we're going to jump in. Jump in. We're going to unpack this passage. I'm going to go through this, not only in uh, the version of, of Matthew through Matthew 14, but I'm also going to pull some things from the book of Mark. So this gospel, or this story is also in the gospel of Mark as well. So I'm going to pull out three takeaways from Jesus walking on the water. First one, obedience doesn't mean problem-free. Obedience doesn't mean problem-free. You might be thinking, like, yeah, that's true, but I don't get how that, like, how does that relate to this passage right now? How does this apply to this story? And the disciples are, are fearful of the storm. And the reason why they're in the storm is because Jesus is the one that sent them out there in the first place. Jesus is the one that told them to go. Look at what it says in verse, 20, verse 22. You might be able to throw that back up on the screen. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. So Jesus gave this command to go into the boat and go. And what the disciples didn't realize is that what is to come after is to have the wind and the waves that are buffeting up against them. And I think sometimes we run into problems in our life and then we kind of blame on it, like on spiritual warfare. And then you pray to get out of it, even though it's probably by obedience that you're in it. And you're like, well, if I could just, you know, if I could just do anything that I could to do out of it or to, to get out of it. And so you ever pray things like, you know, oh, God, I, I just pray that you'd use me however you want me. God, I pray that I become a light in a dark place. And then God answers, answers that prayer. <laughs> Careful what you pray for. 
If you pray for audacious things, God just might answer it. And then you get into spots like that. And you're like, well, God, it's not what I meant. You know, something different. Maybe it's not how you pictured it. Adversity sometimes can quickly follow obedience. And we have to rid ourselves of the false expectations that the favor of God, it does not mean the freedom from pain. The favor of God does not mean the freedom from pain. Well, if God's hand is on my life, then I won't have to go through dark times. Well, if God's grace is with me, that will never be difficult. If God is for me, then I'll never have to worry. If God has called me, then I won't ever have insecurities. Have you ever said the phrase, well, I know what God said. It's just not how I pictured it. God, I know what you told me. This is just not, this is not how I envisioned it. You want to come back with me to the drawing board? Maybe we can write it up a little differently. Maybe you can see the picture that I have. It might be a little better than yours. See, if we live by these expectations, we'll always be hesitant to be obedient in the future. Obedience doesn't mean that it's easy. And if you've been following, following Jesus for, for, for quite some time, you probably know what I'm talking about. You probably have been through some trials in your life. You probably have been through some things in your life that you didn't expect to come your way. You probably went through seasons uh, of, of maybe of mental health struggles, or maybe you lost a loved one. That was totally unexpected, and now you're having to process some real, real uh, uh, hardcore things. And maybe you're just, you're, right now, maybe you're in a season where you're like, I didn't expect this to be the reality of where I'm at. Maybe you just feel like quitting. And some of you tonight, you're just like, I just want to give up. Maybe some of you came into C12 and you said, well, tonight's my last time at trying church. If it doesn't work here, I'm out entirely. Maybe you're on the edge and you feel like you should walk away from your faith. Maybe you just want to quit and you want to tap out now. And you feel like, man, I just started. <laughs> ever, have you guys ever had just like a rough start? You're like, man, this was a rough start to my day. This was a rough start to my week. Okay, we all know what rough starts can be like, okay? Patriots had a rough start in the Super Bowl and they came back to beat the Falcons, okay? We all know what rough starts are like. We, we all know Alabama had a rough start in the 2018 National Championship and they came back to beat Georgia, okay? We all know what rough starts can be like here in Georgia. We all know what rough starts can be like for my sermon illustration, because you guys really hated that one. We all know what rough starts can be like. Okay, this is when uh, I was actually coming back from Guatemala. Uh, this was when I was a resident here in C12. Uh, we did a mission trip, and at the very end of the mission trip, there was just a lot of, uh, to keep the story short, there's a, a lot of spiritual warfare that happened, and then we had to have a lot of conversations. I was up to like 3 uh, or three a.m., 5 a.m. or so in the morning, and then had to come back here. I was super tired. I ate food that wasn't super great. I had to do a lot of things that week, uh, and so I'm already behind on certain things. I get back here at about 11 o'clock, and, and, and because I being in Guatemala for so long, now you're eating American food, now it's not sitting well with you, you get the picture. You get the whole, yep, yeah, digestively, it's not going to work out for you. So now, okay, this is going to be TMI maybe a little bit, but I'll save some of the details. So I'm in the bathroom for a little while longer than I should be, and all of a sudden, you know, you're on, you're on, the, you're on the toilet, you're using your phone, and then, bloop, phone goes right in. What do you, like, what do you do? What do you, I, you got to grab it. You got to go for it. I can't, I can't not, I can't flush it. I can't just like, what, is it just going to get stuck? It's going to stay there? Like, who do I got to call? So, all right, well, oh, God, give me your grace. And, oh, gosh. Reached out, pulled it up. It's dripping. You probably know what color it is. Now I got to go. Now I'm staying here way longer than I want to. Now I'm just mad. <laughs> People are like texting, they're calling, it's like, <laughs> I'm like taking a Clorox wipe, I'm like wiping, I'm like, this is the only thing I have. 
Sometimes you just got a rough start to your week. Sometimes that happens all the way till 3 a.m. If I can encourage you tonight, don't give up where it feels like it costs you the most because just because you have a rough start doesn't mean you need to quit. Just because you feel like you're having a rough start to your week, maybe a rough start to you following Jesus, a rough start to maybe this new discipline you want to incorporate into your life, you're just having a rough start. The disciples had a rough start. Jesus told them to go, okay, great, now that we're out here, well, a couple hours later, now we're all of a sudden in a storm. They're having a rough start. Just because you have a rough start doesn't mean you need to quit. Don't give up on the journey. You've come way too far to give up now. And it's often been said, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. When you can't really trace what God's doing all the time, you can always trust, trust his heart and trust his character. And we feel like we have some rough starts and our emotions tend to get the best of us. Like, this is not how I pictured it. This is not the way that I wanted it to go. And now all of a sudden, the, the, the fear and the anger and the anxiety and the worry and the doubt, see, all of it starts to come up. All of it starts to rise to the surface. Look at what it says in verse 25. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. They said, uh, it's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Okay, we have to understand the context of this passage. Okay, what, what, what's the first word that you read when you read this passage? You can shout it out. I can't even hear. You can shout it out. You can, you can again, one more time. <laughs> right from the beginning, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. And preceding that, Jesus, and what the writer of this book, it says immediately. Like immediately. This is following the miracle that Jesus had just performed. So last week we went over Jesus feeding the 5,000. This passage, if, you, if you're look, looking through your Bible, the, the passage before this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. What happens before that is John the Baptist being beheaded. So all of these events are going back to back to back to back. And so Jesus feeds the 5,000 and like literally immediately, like this was not something like, you know, oh yeah, remember five years ago, dude, when Jesus put on the largest fish fry? Like this is not something that happened forever ago. This was like immediately, like immediately following that. This just happened. And when the disciples stepped into a new obstacle, a new storm, they forget the power that Jesus had. See, fear has a way of making you forget what God was faithful for. Fear has a way of making you forget what God was faithful for. Just because your storm is different doesn't make it greater. Just because it's new doesn't mean that it's impossible to get through. You see, your emotions tend, tend to magnify what you're actually in. See, your fear, your anxiety, your depression, your worry, your doubt, all of it tends to distort what is actually true. Because the disciples' response, when Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm, what do they call him? Oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> that out of their fear, out of their own fear, they're going to view Jesus as a problem, even though he came to be the solution. Your emotions are going to distort what, you're actually, what is actually true. Jesus is coming to bring you peace in your storm. He wants to show up when it's the hardest. He wants to be the savior to you when your emotions are at an all-time high. But sometimes when God shows up, you just view him as another problem. Well, now it's inconvenient, God. Now it's too late. Now I don't care. 
Now my emotions want to blow you off. Now I actually kind of like spiraling because it's now familiar to me that I'll view peace as a problem because I kind of don't mind my unhealth because it's my, it's my new normal. Peace is a problem because it's unfamiliar to you. When Jesus is coming in the middle of your emotions, when he's coming, when everything is rising around you, when the fear, the anxiety, the doubt, when all of it is rising around you, Jesus wants to come because he wants to, he wants to calm the storm that's within you rather than what's always around you. He says to them, take courage, it is I. When they're all afraid, when they're all fearful, he's looking at them says, no, 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 take courage, it is I. He's speaking to them, the disciples. He didn't say to the wind and the waves, oh, you die down first. No, 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 he's talking to the disciples and saying, take courage, it is I. So it's possible, it's possible that the winds and waves of life can be buffeting up against you and yet you can still have peace. You can still have peace in the middle of your storm. And we can make it generic. We can say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that one thing caused me anxiety. Or, yeah, we can make it, I know what storms are. And we can talk about trials. And we can make it a generic. We can keep it at a 30,000-foot view. But let's make it personal. That there's sometimes there's things in our life. This is the one thing that keeps rising up anxiety within you. This is the one thing that keeps causing you fear. This is the one thing that keeps holding you down. This is the one thing that, 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 that keeps troubling you. It's the things in your insecurities, in your calling, in your own personal struggles. Jesus often looks to comfort what's inside of you because that is usually greater than what is around you. But we're all human, and many of us are probably like Peter, and we like to test Jesus. Anytime you just like to test Jesus, you just like to throw it out there. You, th you say things like, well, Lord, if it's really you, would you do this? God, if it's really your voice, would you maybe do like this? You know, when I was a kid, I, I loved to test God. I would just say the, just the most ridiculous prayers as like a little eight-year-old kid. And I would, you know, you, only, you pray as you only know how as an eight-year-old kid. And I'm like, God, if you're real, would you put a pack of Skittles on my dresser? <laughs> I wake up in the morning. I'm like, God, it's not there. You're not real, bro. <laughs> I, I pray things, you know, like, God, if it's really you, then strike that tree with lightning. Like, I'm praying for like, man, it's something obvious. I'm like, God, if that's you, then, you know, make the stove light shut off. And then, like, by coincidence, it shuts off. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, God, listen, it's a prayer. You're like, I'm like running my mom. I'm like, Mom, Jesus talked to me through the oven. She's like, oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> kind of kid that I raise. <laughs> Come on, don't pretend like you haven't prayed something like that as a kid. <laughs> you probably didn't. I'm just weird. <laughs> we all have them, though. We all like to have moments where we just, we, we test God. You like, like, you like just to test, well, God, God, if it's really you, like, Lord, if you're really there, that's what Peter does. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. He said, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Hang on to that phrase. Hang on to that verse. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And we've often heard of this story before. You maybe have, have grown up listening to this story. Maybe you've read this before. Maybe you've encountered this before. And you, and you look at Peter and you're like, man, dude, this guy's got some guts. He stepped out of the boat. He's walking on water. All the other guys in the boat, are, they're a bunch of chumps. They don't have faith to do that. Maybe you're looking at the other disciples, and you say they don't have as much faith as Peter had, that they're more fearful than Peter was. 
And you can make an argument for that. You could say, well, yeah, maybe, maybe Peter has more faith. Maybe, maybe he, you know, he has more faith than all the other disciples, and he's the one that actually walked on the water. He actually took that courage to do that. But I want to give maybe just a slightly maybe a different perspective, that maybe it would perhaps take more faith just to stay in the boat. Because what you see versus what you hear are two different realities, right? What you heard God said and then what you experienced sometimes aren't the same thing. So let's go back to the very beginning. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. That's what God said. But when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, that's the first thing that he saw. And when he got afraid, he began to sink. And he started to sink because he forgot what God said and gave more weight to what he saw. Maybe it would perhaps just take more faith to stay in the boat in the middle of your storm. That, hey, I have to go trust what God said. Right now, I got the winds and waves of life just crashing up against me. It's rocking my boat a little bit. I have the things that always cause me anxiety, the things that always cause me fear, the things that are always causing me to, to, to weigh me down. You're having these things over and over and over and over again. And maybe it would just take more faith to stay in the boat. That maybe I have to just, you know what, no, God said this. God told us to go to the other side. This is what God had instructed us to do. We have to stay in it. That maybe you're getting more fearful because you're seeing what is there instead of what God said. And maybe tonight you have to fix your focus. And we say things like, Lord, if it's really you, get me out of this. Make it stop. I wonder if it takes more faith to stay in the boat regardless of what you feel than to test Jesus because your impulsivity would want you to get you out of it. Lord, if it's really you, can you make it stop? Lord, if it's really you, can I get out of the boat? Lord, if it's really you, can you just get me out of this already? Maybe you need to fall back. What's the last thing God told you? You might not hear God right now. It might be a winter season for you. It might be a dry season. You might feel like, man, God is not really intimate to me right now. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot. I don't feel like God's speaking to me a whole lot. I don't feel like God is really present when I'm with him. And in times like that where you don't feel like God is right there, you can always go back to the last thing that he said. What's the last thing God told you? I want to pull from the same story. Again, this is found in the Gospel of Mark. Same story with Jesus walking on the water because I think there's a couple things that are worth noting. This is in verse 47, okay? Same, this is the same story, different gospel. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. Okay, so we knew that already. We knew that they were, out, they were out in the lake and Jesus was alone on the hillside. He was praying. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Jesus knew that they were suffering. Jesus could hear it. Jesus could see it. Like, I, I understand that you're in distress. I understand where you're at. I understand right now that it's hard. And as soon as the trouble hits, Jesus could have gone out there and he could have just said, hey, let me fix it. Let me solve it. Let me fix that problem. He could have walked out there. He could have just gone out in the storm like, all right, Peter, relax. It's barely raining. Chill out. He could have gone on the water and just fixed the problem right away. But he stayed alone and prayed. He saw the distress that they were in and he stayed and he prayed. Because sometimes we think the miracle is the greater work. I think Jesus understood that prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work to what, to what you're in. We beg more for maybe God just to get us out of it. Maybe prayer is what keeps you in it. It's what gets you through it. It's what allows you to push forward. 
Jesus saw a need, and instead, instead of solving it right away, how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this hillside, I see you, and I'm praying for you. And when things rise in your life, doesn't it feel like Jesus sometimes just takes forever to get there? <laughs> you're like praying, you're like, well, now, now you show up, thanks. You're a little late, aren't you? Don't you see what I'm in? Don't you hear what I'm struggling with? Don't you understand the prayers that I've had? Don't you understand the journey that I've had the last year? Don't you understand what it has cost me? And when Jesus is on the hillside, he sees what they're in. He knows what their struggle is. He knows where they're at. And he's praying for them. Jesus sees them before they saw Jesus. Jesus sees you before you see Jesus. Jesus sees the situation that you're in long before you acknowledge that he's there. Jesus knows it. I know you're in distress. I know you're in pain. I know you're in suffering. I know this is the season that you're in, but it's not wasted. Jesus is on the hillside in your life praying for you. And you might feel like Peter. And you might be like, I'm just, I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. See, these are the things that keep happening in my life. These are the things that I see going on. And you might feel like you're beginning to sink. And you might, you might, just, you might go down, but you won't drown. You, you might feel like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting low points in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going down where I'm at. But you're not going to drown because Jesus is right there to meet you right where you're at. He's there to meet every need, every insecurity, every, every mental health battle, every, every, every period of anxiety, every struggle with depression, every waiting season. Every season that, that's testing your faith, you, won't, you might go down, but you won't drown. And I remember when I was in, in college, this was when I was up at Kingswood in Canada. And, uh, and you probably, this might surprise you, but the last year of my time there at Kingswood was, was actually perhaps a really, really rough year. And uh, we, the, our enrollment counselor actually sent out an email to our whole student body and they're trying to get better at their retention rate for a school. And so they were uh, reaching out and saying, well, hey, how can we get better uh, to keep our students? And, and, and at this point in my life, I, I was just so angry at the institution. I was, I was just, my heart was just so full of anger. And I sat down with the enrollment counselor and I just said, well, I don't, I don't wanna say this, but I, like, I hate you and I hate this place. It was a great start to our meeting. <laughs> It was a wonderful start, and uh, she just began to, to, to take notes, and uh, she was like, well, just why don't you tell me a little bit more where that's coming from? And uh, I just said, well, maybe you wouldn't lose students if you're actually faithful with the ones that you have. And I just began to, you know, uh, unleash all this anger that I had on her. It, it, got, it got built up so much that I actually had to go to the hospital to be hooked up to an EKG uh, because the, my heart was having all these uh, palpitations and it's having all these skips. And, and we th at first thought it was a, uh, uh, having like a heart issue and, and uh, you know, had a history of heart disease from on my mom's side. And so this was like not a thing to mess with. And so I went there and they were like, you're too young. You can't have this. Like, and there's, you know, have you ever been to the doctor? And they're like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm like, no, no, you're not. And you're like, oh, that's why I'm here. I don't know. Uh, and, and I walk in and I say, well, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm having all these palpitations. And they hooked me up and my heart would stop beating for uh, anywhere from like, you know, one to three seconds. It would like stop and then it'd pick up again and then I would breathe heavily. And, and I didn't realize where my anger was rooted from. I always thought it was a health issue when it was actually a spiritual issue. And, and that last year of, of Kingswood, I went to counseling. And, and if right now, I just want to give you permission. Maybe you're in a season of your life and, and, and this is like a really, really hard spot for you. 
Like, therapy is a great thing. Uh, in our culture, I think that people think that therapy is it makes you weak or you look uh, lower than or uh, you have problems. And I think uh, there's something healing that God does through therapy. There's healing that God does through counseling. And, and I remember going through that. And in in our professor of counseling, he said, hey, I want to do your sessions for free. And so I went to sit in his office. And I'll never forget, just as soon as I walked in, just felt the presence of God. I mean, it was like it was like peace just came right down. And I was just so overwhelmed. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> sometimes you just get so overwhelmed by the by the presence of God. And you just you just sitting in it and, and you're like, I don't know where all this is coming from. And and sometimes you forget that throughout, you know, following Jesus, that that you, you just forget that God sustains you. God, God sustains you. And ever since when I was in college, it's, it's just been uh, an effort of mine ever since then to, to be rooted in prayer, to, to make that a priority in my life, to know that God sustains me, to that God is in every season of my life. And, and these are the three things that I uh, wrote down. Our, our uh, founder, senior pastor, Kevin Myers, uh, he actually spoke these uh, things over to our staff at one point. Uh, and if you want to write these down, you can. This might help you in your own prayer life to, to help God sustain you. But uh, it's consistency, it's intimacy, and it's intensity. Like in your prayer life, it's got to consist of, of consistency, intimacy, and intensity. And I've often been really good at like the intense and intimate part. <laughs> you know, I've been really good at, you know, well, man, I, I don't spend time with God a lot. But when I'm with him, it's like, bro, it's great. Like I love what God's doing. It's really intense. It's really intimate. And then you're always looking. When, when you have that habit in your life, it's almost like you develop like the spiritual dopamine of waiting for that next intense or intimate moment with the Lord that instead of, you know, of, of learning consistency, you just hop from every spiritual high to spiritual high to spiritual high. And you, and you, you live off the next passion conference. You live off the next worship night. You live to, off that intense next intimate moment. And, and you wait for the mountaintops that you have no idea what it means to be consistent in the valleys. Like, I want more of the bigger moments with God. Like, where are the miracles? Where is his power? Where, 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 where are those big, you know, uh, God, where he just like fire falls down? Where are those big spiritual high moments? Where, where you know, where, where do we, you know, get to see God do more and, and, and see at this pinnacle point that, hey, I, I cried this one thing. Or maybe God moved so powerfully in that moment that we develop the spiritual dopamine effect that we fall more in love with God's miracles than I even do with Jesus. You fall more in love with what he does rather than who he is. If there's anything that you get out of tonight, anything that you even get out of the series, it's just it, you can't chase what Jesus does. You just have to hunger for who he is. See, you can see his power, yet you can miss his purpose. You can see the power that he does in your life. You can see all these good things that, that, that Jesus can do for you. You can see all the things that God can pour out his Holy Spirit. Which is all great things. I'm not saying that they're bad. In fact, that's what we pray for. That's what we long for. That's what we want. But sometimes we can fall more in love with miracles than we do with Jesus. And I'm pulling this. Again, this is from the Gospel of Mark. Same story. So he's, then he climbed in the boat with them. This is after he calmed the wind and the waves to die down. And they were completely amazed, for they had not yet understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. What does that mean? For they had not understood about the loaves. 
The disciples didn't understand why Jesus fed the 5,000. It wasn't for me to do a miracle. It wasn't for me just to, oh, hey, we just put on the, lar- the, the, the world's largest fish fry. We just put on the largest thing. It was never about what he did. It's always about who he is. The miracle always points back to Jesus. It was never about the miracle. It's always about Jesus. Jesus is the one who satisfies you. Jesus is the one who sustains you. Jesus is the one who gives you a promise. Jesus is the one who gives you grace. Jesus is the one who gives you love. Jesus is the one who gives you peace. Jesus is the one who keeps helping you move forward. Jesus is the one who gives you a calling. Jesus, it's, it's all points back to Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. He's the one who satisfies you. He's the one when you have a hunger and a quench for more of the presence of God, it's because of him. So what Jesus is saying, it's like it's never been about the miracle. No, 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 you don't understand. You don't get it. Don't, don't ask for me to do more things. You just want to come to me. You want to have more of me. He says this in John 6. He says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You came back to me not because I just did some wow, awesome thing or because I just fed all of you. But no, the reason why you're coming back is because you got to taste and see that I'm good, that that's the reason why you're here. That's the reason why you came back. It's always been about Jesus, not about what he can do for you. It's always been about him. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. It's always been about Jesus in the journey, in the struggle, in the battle. Jesus wants to sustain you. Jesus wants to comfort you. Jesus wants to be there for you in times of struggle. So as we wrap up, man, you can come on up. And I just want to take a moment and, and pray over the night, pray over the things that you're in, because I know that there are, there are things in your world, there are things in your life, these are the things that are, these are the winds and the waves that keep buffeting up against you in life. Maybe it's that same thing. It's the same thing that causes anxiety within you, It's the same thing that you feel like disqualifies you. It's the same thing that you feel like, man, this is is the same struggle that I have over and over and over and over again. And in the middle of the storm, what does Jesus do? Jesus is on the hillside praying. (laughs) That even in the storm, even in the battle, maybe you're begging God, would you just show up? Would you just come right now? And maybe the invitation is that maybe it's not a miracle for you. Maybe the invitation is that you would just run to the Father again. Maybe maybe the invitation for you is that you would just draw near in prayer. It's always been about Jesus. He's the one who satisfies you. And we can keep it generic and we can say, yeah, storms, trials, battles, struggles. We say those things sometimes like they're just, it's 30,000 foot. It's just some random thing out there. But you know that there might be something in your own life that, hey, I don't tell anybody else this, but this is the thing that I really face. I don't ever acknowledge this to anybody else, but this is, this is what eats at me constantly. Maybe you feel like more of a burden to God because you keep bringing the same sin to him again. Maybe you always feel like you're a problem 
to God that you always feel like I, I always have to ask for God's forgiveness that I don't actually see his favor on my life. Maybe you're having a hard time just seeing that God loves you. That God died for you. He sent his one and only son. No, 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 I covered that. I cover that sin that you struggle with. I cover the very thing that you feel like you need to carry, the very thing that you feel like this is the burden to you. Hey, I took that already. I nailed that on the cross. I can satisfy you. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will bring you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And right now, before we jump into this next song, I want you to take know, three minutes, five minutes, sit with Jesus. Let him satisfy you. Maybe you got a journal. Maybe you got to highlight things in scripture. Maybe you just got to, maybe you haven't spent time, you haven't prayed to God at all today. Maybe it's been maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever. It doesn't matter. God just wants to speak to you. God wants you to draw near to him right where you're at right now. That maybe you just bring, God, this is the thing. Ah, oh, gosh, this just causes me so much anxiety. God, would you take it? God, would you give me your peace? God, I'm begging for you. I just want you to satisfy my heart. What are the areas that Jesus needs to satisfy you in? You can sit in the back. You can sit up front here in the chairs. You can spread out. You can go wherever you want to go. We're going to take next couple minutes. Go sit with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Pray and ask. Where does Jesus need to satisfy in you? So I'm going to pray. And then you can go off wherever you want. Journal, write, reflect, and go be with God. So God, we just pray over tonight. God, I pray over, God, the people in this room, God, whatever they carry, whatever the struggle, whatever the burden, God, whatever storm or trial or thing in their life, God, whether it's external or internal, God, we all resonate with it. God, we all have them. We can't run from them. We can't pretend like they're not there. We can't hide from them. But God, even in the middle of it, God, you want to give us peace. God, you want to calm the storm that is in us first. The anxiety that is in our soul first. The fear, the doubt, maybe the questioning. God, you want to speak right to that. So God, I pray that you would speak so intimately. God, you would speak to their heart, God, that you would satisfy them. God, that their, God, your presence, God, would be evident in the room. And God, would we sit and would we soak in it? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So spread throughout the room. Read, write, reflect, journal. Go be with God. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on your time with Jesus and remember to focus on consistency, intimacy, and intensity with God. If you would like to learn more about College of 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.